<laughs> I'm in shock. Are you kidding me? This is K12 Tech Talk. K12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K12 Techs for K12 Techs. Real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K12 technology topics and issues. Live from the somethingcool.com studios. This is our second try at this. This I'm is so K- mad right now. <laughs> this is the K12 Tech Talk podcast. Uh, the Mark, episode. Did you push the record button? Uh, yep. Now he has. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Josh this makes time. me tell this story. I think I talked for like 20 minutes and then yes. Mark does a punchline thing at the end and presses the record button because he realized he didn't record anything. Well, I realized that we all... And you know what, Mark? Missed. You haven't even said sorry. I'm sorry. Is this how you treat your team? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's fine. I'm very sorry. I'm so very sorry. the title of this episode Everything's will, be, fine. will be for a couple of reasons, <laughs> one of which Mark did not record the first time. So uh, this is take number two, and we're going to change things up so it doesn't sound rehearsed. Uh, so my so my my heart and my face calm down. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're going to start with some listener emails. This version of this episode, Chris, you have two listener emails. Well, really, kind of three. You want to hit the first one? I guess. <laughs> I mean, it is a little bit ironic. You gotta you gotta admit. You'll House. find out soon why it's pretty ironic. All right, I'm probably going to be grumpy the rest of the episode. We have a listener email (laughs) from Nicholas. Um, And he just wants us to unpack student help desk programs. He's interested to see what other schools uh, do. He works for a student help desk uh, himself at his school. I assume you you guys do student help desk, not student help desks. Yes. Um. Yeah, we've we've got a student help desk, and actually, I stole the idea from Chris. Oh, I totally ripped Chris off. What six years ago, seven years ago? You stole my help desk, and Mark stole my time. Yep, yep. Uh, so, Chris, why don't you start with your student help desk? Because I stole the idea from you. <laughs> uh, back when we moved to Chromebooks, uh, which has been years and years and years ago. Uh, we did that in phases, right? So we started out, out, out with high school, and then the next year we went to middle school and so on and so forth. Uh, we're a small school district, uh, a small uh, uh, tech department. We realized that we, we, we knew without even having Chromebooks uh, yet that we were going to have issues supporting all the students and all the Google issues we're going to have and all the Chromebook issues we're going to have, all the tech issues we're going to have. So we spun up uh, classes. Uh, basically, two to four kids per class period hang out in our libraries. Uh, we call them TSIs, tech support interns. They have a dedicated area that they sit at, table, uh, computer chairs, the whole bit. Uh, we teach them uh, basic troubleshooting of how to log in, how to restore misplaced drive files, how to search for files, how to restore files that you put in your trash, Uh all the apps that we use, we try to get them to be a little bit tech savvy with uh, the resources that we have at our buildings. 
Uh, over the years, that's gotten more advanced. We now, because we're a Lenovo self-maintainer, I've talked about that uh, several episodes ago in previous times. Uh, we can teach our kids uh, how to fix Chromebooks under warranty. They can be Lenovo certified. So they uh, fix our crack screens. They can troubleshoot uh, actual hardware uh, and help us out. Every month I give them a like a challenge, like find a cool science app. Uh, or have a, they? Sometimes they'll pitch us apps or websites that they think should be unblocked. Uh, we let them uh, kind of see what that's like behind the scenes in the tech department when you have to navigate through things like that. Uh, but we, our our kids, they I mean they handle hundreds and hundreds of tech problems that the tech department doesn't have to see because of those students. Do you uh, do you also do like customer service and like how to work with you know issues and how to work with people? How to handle dogs? The dogs yeah, it's every time. It's a yeah. bit. I actually I press the button oh, for the yeah. dog to bark. That gives me a little bit of time to think about what answer I'm going to give. Uh, a little bit of that we do. Um, I meet with the kids at the start of the year, uh, and we go over, and in 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 particular in those areas. Oh my gosh, this is it. This is if there's going to be an episode to send me like over the edge. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine everything's fine uh, i meet with the kids and we talk about that uh in particular when a kid has a tech issue we make them go to the library we make them go see yeah. a tech helper and we talk about how that kid is already leaving a little bit of their comfort zone that they have to ask a peer for help so we want them to be at the desk be at the center respond to them as that kid walks in be the one that starts the conversation uh, we we talk through that. I, I'd say we talk through That's that cool. and then documentation. If they troubleshot something, can you please tell us what you did and document yep. it well? So very cool. we do very, very, very similar to Chris. Um, high school kids, It's I think we're up around 30-ish kids uh, that have signed up for – it's accredited class. It's an elective. So they get a, a pass-fail credit for this. Um, we have a couple kids per hours. They had the, the last couple of years, they've had so many kids that, uh, the librarian who is the teacher of record at the high school for this course is, uh, sending some of those kids out to the other buildings. So instead of shuttling equipment to the high school to get repaired by the, by the student help desk kids, they've got a student help desk kid in each building to do those quick, easy fixes in the middle school and the intermediate building so that if the device doesn't have to leave the building, that's that's a quicker turnaround time. So that's one thing extra that we're kind of doing. <clears throat> but we parallel Chris very well, very, very similar because I stole all of this from him. Um, I will buy them pizza a couple times a year and they're super appreciative of that. They love it. I think what what really helps um, is the, the teacher of record, the li- high school librarian, in our, in my district is a rock star. The kids love her. She loves the kids. She loves doing this, doing this because she understands that, uh, the library media center world has kind of the role of the library media center has kind of changed in the last five, six, seven years because of one-to-one and they have to, they need to adapt to that. And, uh, I tell you, she, they have embraced that a hundred percent. 110%. 110%. She's a rock star when it comes to that. If it, I know those kids have handled, like Chris said, several hundred. We're, we're probably upwards five, 600 different uh, devices a year that those kids are touching that keep those devices out of my department, uh, which is super thankful. Um, 
and she and I are actually presenting on this at the Mornet conference uh, in the middle of the month. So if you're in Missouri go to, and you're going to Mornet, stop by and see. I think it's on Monday at 10 o'clock or something. Um, but no, it, they can be, these student help desks can be super successful and you get kids that, um, from all walks, like there's the super shy kids. They're the kids that, uh, never thought they would be doing something technical and they're embracing this. They're loving it. But you also have the kids that are like, you know what, I'm going to try this out. And now I'm going to know whether or not I, if I want to go into this in college, um, and I think that's a, a good exposure that if they absolutely hate doing this at the high school level, they don't want to work in technology, they're finding out at high school instead of finding out after they've graduated college or during college and they've got to change their their uh, degree plan then. Um, we've, we've seen immense success with it. So if you're on the fence about doing something like this, absolutely, I, I would I would try it because I think you'll see you'll see it pay off. That's really cool. I, I, we don't do nearly as much as what you guys do. And it's more of like a, you know, a side activity or a club. And so to see that you guys even have credits attached to it is, is really cool. Yeah. Awesome job. Super neat. Josh does a far better job getting those, like mine's still like a pass fail class. Yeah. So, so it's similar. Yeah. Okay. Similar to like, this is what, this is the spiel I tell the kids too. So mine equates to a little bit of like a office helper kind of class, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, so we will get the kids that signed up because they're thinking about technology as a career. And we will get the kids that signed up because the counselor didn't have anything else for that period. So it was like, do you want to be a TSI? And I love all the spectrum of what that is. Like have fun while you're here. Uh, and I've told them like, sometimes we have years where things actually work. Like, yes, we're cool with you watching YouTube most of the time. Um, but when there's stuff to do, when there's those contests going on, when you can fix the screen, like embrace that, uh, yep. get the most out of your time when you're doing it. So one thing <clears throat> I will say, ours has been popular enough to where the librarian, she does all the selection. You know, she's the teacher of record. That's that's her responsibility for super supervision and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we've had so many kids request this course that she's kind of had to come up with a rubric of scoring. You know, you can't have any discipline issues. You can't have, you, you have to have treated your, treated your Chromebook well, like you can't have any intentional damage in your Chromebook and be in this class. Uh, you, uh, certain grades, stuff like that. So she, she's, uh, had to start weeding out or being a little bit more selective for the kids that are in this course, but, it's super successful. I, again, I say keep doing it. Keep, keep doing it. Um, That's awesome. So, Chris, what was the third? Oh, the student photo thing in Drive. We got, I got a oh, second. Oh, keep going. Don't, yep, sorry, don't, skip, thought, don't skip number sorry, two. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, you're taking me off, too. It's going to be okay. Listener email number two is from Matt um, talking about uh, just wanting some feedback on what he did for a tabletop. Um, this is what he did. Uh, he did not use a pre-built template. Uh, instead, he created his own kind of scenario. Basically, he said, uh, so he got his admin team together, uh, central office staff together. They walk through a staff member getting fished, uh, a credential being given. And then he just kind of did laid back questions, walking them through. Well, well, let's say this happened before Christmas break. Uh, let's say this is what the email looked like. Uh, let's say payroll was right around the corner of Christmas break. Uh, what if we had school? 
what if the kid didn't get on the right bus because of this, all that kind of stuff. And they just did laid back conversation about incident response uh, and continuing to do business. Uh, And his, his final thing with the email was his plan is to do this same questions, different ones. uh, But basically every two, three times a year uh, to prepare them like this, uh, which way do you guys lean? Do you think you pre-built scenarios all the time? Do you like the idea of doing that loose stuff or what? I, you know, I the the saying is all politics is local, and I think if you try to get too wild with a pre-built scenario, you're gonna you're not you're gonna lose your staff. I think you have to make it meaningful for the individuals in the room. So, if there's something hyper local that you know ties to your district very very well leverage it, make it, make it meaningful yeah. for the individuals that are sitting in the room that, you know, they might be coming into this thinking, Oh, great. You know, here, here's Chris again, he's going to yammer on for 45 minutes and we're not going to learn anything, but you know, make it, make it super meaningful to where they are going to learn something. Uh, I, I would say I would leverage that over a pre-built scenario every day. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, the, the idea that he did, uh, was super local and that allows him to kind of give, he knows his capabilities and his team's capabilities. So that, that could be a whole lot more effective because you are kind of testing, uh, all the things that you know need to be tested in all, in all the scenarios. Um, the only thing I would advertise is maybe once in a while sneak in the unexpected, right? So those, the games, like the scenarios, like you see on, um, uh, backdoors and breaches where you're pulling a random card. Yeah. Part, part of the exercise is not to like, can you answer this specific card, but how do you handle the unexpected and the unknown? Yeah. So I think, I think it's really good to do both. I think what he did is phenomenal. If you can kind of prep and take that much time to, to prepare your own scenario. I think we should create our own scenario or our own card game and call it, um, poop hits the fan K 12 edition. And we make it super, uh, super K twelve oriented. Wouldn't that be cool? Super cool. Or, or I wonder if we could do an, an extension to backdoors and breaches. I bet could we could. We do that? I we wonder. Could do that. I, I bet we could get uh, the fr- our friends at uh, Black Hills Information Security on board with that. Right, By the way, right. if you haven't been to their site and seen their shirts, they have some pretty funny shirts. I have a shirt from them that has hacker spelled backwards across my chest. And I always get really weird looks when I wear it around town. It's funny. Very nice. People think you're serious. Well, it's backwards. They're, they're like, you know, your shirt's backward. You know, it's oh, awesome. they think you're yeah. stupid. <laughs> Chris is sassy. So let's get to that. Third Chris email. is very sassy. I'm yeah. so mad. I'm so mad. I don't even want to tell the story again. What's the, what's the third, uh, listener. Uh, something about Google drive. So I'm this even, was you look, I ain't looking. This was in, in <laughs> K12 Tech Pro uh, today, I think. Uh, there was a user out there that said that they stumbled across over 100 gig worth of drive, Google Drive storage being consumed by a student's account. But when they kind of investigated it with the student, it was the parent actually using the student's account to store over 100 gig of raw DSLR photos. Nice. So his his kind of his question was how how would you handle that? And as far as you know, making sure the family understood they need to get their photos off, and then recovering that storage. And my my quick response was I, you need to have that conversation and say, look, you need to get your stuff off of here. I, I give you a week. Whatever's not gone in a week, we're removing. Um, 
What do you guys think? I'd set the storage limits for an individual account to be one megabyte below whatever his drive is. Mm. Lock them. Man, I <laughs> used to, like, this has been, I guess, pushing 20 years ago. Did consulting work at this. I, I worked for a company that did consulting work at a school district. And that tech guy had all their H drives set to, like, two meg. And, like, oh, you geez. couldn't even save a PowerPoint. Like, it was bad. You could save, like, one file. I, I would I I I like your weak approach, Josh. I mean, you know, they might be meaningful photos. Give them, don't just blow them yeah. away. No, I think realistically, you got to give them a chance to pull it off before yeah. you. Yeah. Give oh, them a that, timeline. that reminds me. Somebody was saying that uh, third Google third party apps uh, upside. He blocked upside in Google third party apps and had a staff member call and complain because they were using their school email account for upside and had over $70 in, in reward dollars in upside in their school account. And he's like, how in the world do I handle this? So, um, you know, who's not a member of upside Fortinet. Um, unfortunately they're not a member of upside. So you don't get any bonus points for buying Fortinet gear through upside or upsides app. But what Fortinet is doing. And, uh, I was actually, had lunch with Chris Illingworth the other week, and he was telling me about this new trend or this this uh, feature they have gaining steam where uh, you can buy Fort, uh, FortiGate and then Fortis switches below it and manage everything. They call it the gate. Uh, manage everything in the gate from VLAN assignment to uh, fo- logs. And is it the FortiGate? It is the FortiGate, but they call it the gate. The FortiGate gate? No, it's just the gate that the term, gate, gate. the the term. Um, so yeah, you can Gotta do gate, gate. Fortigate, Fortinet, uh, firewall all the way down to switches, and you manage it in. I'm going to say it a single pane of glass. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> so, so if you want to know more about that, reach out to uh, Mr. Illingworth, Chris. What's his email address? It is Fortinet Podcast at Fortinet.com. All right. Awesome. So what do we have? Mark, you've got some news to talk about. Yeah. We need like so an introduction a... for the news. Do, and do, this do, is do, the do, news do. with Mark. That was anticlimactic. You need to work on that, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So a couple of vulnerabilities came out this week. Uh, we actually got a lot of attention uh, on different channels about this one. So the first is a Chrome vulnerability. Uh, if you have not done so, please urge your users to upgrade or update to the latest version of Chrome. It is a serious uh, vulnerability to be addressed. Uh, the other one is there is a Cisco vulnerability. This one is actively being exploited. Um, so if you are a Cisco customer, uh, please take a look at either the alert from MS Isaac uh, or from your local Cisco rep and uh, make sure that you do exactly what you need to do to protect against this one because it is being uh, exploited by uh, other China. countries. China. China. <laughs> yes. And then, bad week for Google. Obviously, they had the Chrome vulnerability, but Josh, you had to let us know some bad news that some, some good products are going away. Yeah, I, I've been a bearer of bad news today, especially <sighs> with Chris. But yeah, Jamboard's going away. So if you're using Jamboard in, uh, collaboratively in your buildings, your your teachers might be using that. It is going away in 2024. Did and you then use also, Jamboard? No, we don't. We use it heavily. When When is it going away in 2024? Uh, I don't know. Didn't read the article. Sometime in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll Google it. All right. And then um, 
Uh, we actually have a teacher that has a hardware uh, jam board. Oh, really? So e- even that, I did see that that is going away as well. So Wow. Both the software and hardware are going so away. So you're the one place that bought that. Yep. Yeah. Big bummer for you. <laughs> it was, uh, I think it was a donation, but yeah. And there's late, another product. Late 2024. Okay. So, yeah, so enough for the school. October 1st. Oh, that's awful timing for schools. Users have until December 31st to back up their stuff. Oh, that's terrible for schools. Just do it now, Mark. Just get it over with. They're going to get up and running, and then it's going to... And then it's going to stop. Speaking of other products going away, what else is Google Google Podcast is going away. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. Aren't we on that? They're, yeah, we, we are on that. They're going to migrate people to YouTube Music is now going to be the podcast app uh, for Google. So we need to – I thought about that earlier tonight, but I sat on the patio and drank instead. Um, <laughs> we need to we need to get set up on YouTube Music for the podcast. So, yeah, if you're all using right. Google Podcast, they say they're going to come out with a feature that you can export all your subscriptions and stuff and take that over to YouTube Music. So, um, yeah, Google's had a – They've been cutting some things. What's the deal, Google? Well, next week's the big week, and they're announcing the new phone and new watch. Well, they also had some bad problems. So uh, there was a an article t- that just came out today about um, now Bard. If you've used Bard or or ChatGPT, when you have a chat or a kind of a, a column going, you can get a link to that to share it with somebody. Now, okay. the way Bard works is uh, you create a, a link. And then you can give it to somebody. And there's no there's no sharing permissions like you see in the Google Docs or anything like that. It's just you, you have a link and you can see everything. Well, Google started indexing those links into their Google search. So suddenly, all these people who had been writing in Bard, their um, their questions and answers were suddenly made uh, available through Google search. Now, here's the thing: if you're using Bard. Or if you have used Bard, you're not automatically cached in their searches. You had to have created that link in the first place. So chances are, you've you're you're doing something that you intended to share with somebody in the first place, but you uh, definitely didn't mean to make that public. So, hmm. yeah, got some deleting to do. Yeah, so that's the news for the week. Josh, remember that one time you sent us that picture you didn't mean to? Uh, I don't know. I've done that a lot. Um, Chris, how is uh, Insight and Cloud IQ going with your extreme stuff? I uh, got to hang out with uh, Kevin with Extreme a little bit this week and got our site engine going. Uh, pretty cool. So it's a I spun up a VM or my sysadmin spun up a VM and I just got to log into the thing. I'll give Matt credit there. Uh, got it set up with Kevin. I uh, got one of our switches in there playing with it, but I am scheduled now for weekly switch config backups uh, through that. Uh, really cool, slick management. I can see if a power supply goes down, if a fan goes out, I can get notified on that. I'm going to start using Site Engine more and more. And then I've been dabbling more and more into Cloud IQ stuff with Extreme. Uh, we're getting more switches here in a couple uh, weeks, months. Uh, we'll be all extreme across the board for our switching, for our networking, uh, our wired stuff. So I'm excited about all that. We'll be digging into IQ anymore, even even more than we are now. Well, if somebody wants to know more about Cloud IQ or Side Engine, who do they email? 
Dominic would be your guy, and that's D Mayer at extremenetworks.com. Awesome. Um, I am presenting with NTP at the Mornet Conference. I'll be presenting twice. Uh, NTP, I'm presenting about their sock product. So if you are in Missouri and you want to hear about their uh, what NTP can do for you from an EDR standpoint and from a SOC standpoint, monitoring your network, uh, head on over to uh, the, the session Wednesday morning and uh, listen to David and I talk about what, what NTP can offer for you. Uh, they do resell Sentinel-1 product, um, but they do much, much, much more than that. And you don't have to be in Missouri to subscribe to them. So if you're outside of Missouri and you can't make the conference and you want to know more about NTP and what they can sell you Sentinel-1-wise or SOC monitoring-wise or network monitoring-wise, David is your guy. D-R-E-N, W-R-E-N, at ntp Inc dot com give them an email is more um, conference is that this week no it's uh, next week weeks. a couple weeks uh let's see so i had found this article this week uh, when we were looking at stuff to come up with there's this article in the journal.com about uh app vetting and you know this has been it seems like we talk about this every week but you know google third-party apps and student data privacy and a teacher might come and say, hey, I wanted this new app. I need to buy it, yada, yada, yada. Um, well, th this article in the journal is pretty interesting. The article is titled Six Suggestion Suggestions IT Teams Should Ask Teachers When Evaluating Unapproved Technology. And more or less, it comes down to this form that's been created or that was created with pretty pointed questions as to what the app does and what it will do for the school. Um so one of the first ones was, uh, how does the tool support lear your learning goals? So, you know, that's one thing that's big in education. We, I don't know, it, you may not know this or not, but, you know, buildings have improvement plans and then teachers have goals that go along with that. Principals have goals that go along with their building improvement plans. Um, so, you know, really, if there's dollars being spent, the question being asked, one of the questions being asked should revolve around how does this tool that you're attempting to buy or you're wanting to buy support the learning goals of your building or your class? So, um, you know, I, I don't know how often that question gets asked when apps, when, when teachers are looking for new apps, but it's definitely something I think that needs to come up in conversation. Um, you got, have you guys ever asked that question? And, and maybe it's not your place to ask it. Maybe it's more of an ed tech uh, person's role to ask that question. Does that make sense? I, that's kind of my reaction when I saw that, right. Is I, I feel like I, I would be, it would be inappropriate for me if an educator sure. came to me and said, I'm going to use this. And they're coming to you saying that this is what's right for their classroom. And then here's you saying, well, you have to prove to me that it has educational value. I feel like in most school districts, like we don't have the, the role in the organization to ask that question. However, I do think it's a valid question that should be asked. I just don't know if it's the IT department that should be asking that. You're even uncomfortable asking that coming from your background as a former educator? I I, I don't think people really uh, view that, right? Okay. And yeah. I was an educator, but like my wife will remind me, like, you were an educator a long time ago. Things are different. <laughs> Things are different now. <laughs> you big jerk. <laughs> but like... 
I mean, maybe if you have that kind of instructional role, but like, I think most of sure. us, we have more of a technical role. Yeah. And, and I, I think that is a good way for us to partner with the academic side and say, you know, talk to your instructional leaders, or your academic leaders. Have they asked that question? So right. I think it's, it's the right question to ask. I think it would be best to come from the instructional side of the house. So the next one on here was what evidence exists that the tool is effective? Um, and again, I, Mark, I think this kind of goes hand in hand with that. This may not be a question that the IT department not should be asking, but uh, it's better off being asked by an ed tech person or a curricular type person. I remember when we were going one-to-one, um, there was a big push to go one-to-one. And there was a, an individual in our district that said, well, show me the data, show me the research that shows going one-to-one increases or helps increase student outcomes on state assessment or just in general, student outcomes in general when they get ready to graduate and go to higher ed or into the workforce. Mm-hmm. Show me show me the evidence that going one-to-one supports that. Um, so I, I think that's definitely one of those questions that needs to be asked. But again, like Mark said, who's asking that question is, is as important as the question itself. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see the next one. Uh, is the, is the technology compatible or interoperable with existing devices and systems? Um, I think this is definitely something that, that we can ask this. This is Mm -hmm. one of those questions that is in our wheelhouse, right? A hundred percent. And I think that also has to come with a yes, like a hard yes or no. If it's right. not compatible, if it's not interoperable, we should we need to get to the point where that's a no. Yep, I agree. Now, this one, this next one's a little, I don't know, kind of not weird, but I think it's hard to qualify. How easy is the tool to use? Now, depending on who's answering the question, that, that answer might be different. Um, I think this is kind of a... I don't know. This this question is kind of borderline for me as far as being a valid question to ask on this type of form. Um, the next one is, I, again, a question that I think we all should be asking of all, every app. What data does the technology capture and where is the information stored? Um, big push for data privacy, student data privacy. So yes, this is definitely an, a question that I feel like the IT department should be asking and there, there needs to be an answer. It, it can't be yeah, like, yeah there needs to be an answer to this question. Yeah. Uh, the next one is, uh, what is, uh, what is the total cost of ownership? And again, I think this is definitely a question that either the ed tech department or the it department could be asking. And that's not something that's thought of very often. I know like during the COVID years, so many applications or so many websites were offering their product for free and then, Oh, they got you in now year two, mm-hmm. year three down the road. Yeah. Um, screencastify we're gonna start charging you um so yeah total cost of ownership is definitely something that uh needs to be asked and probably most teachers really don't think about up front when they're signing up looking well, at product like that and and that's the question that vendors don't always want to be transparent about because they're going to offer their product for free as you mentioned they're going to give mini grants or sure. grants to get the product in there uh and nobody's talking about sustainability especially especially right now with esser so Except for PIRG, they are. They, sustainability is their oh, thing. Oh, boy, Lucas. Yep. Uh, he got he got Google to change. 
So yeah, if uh, this, this this form is out in the journal, I, you know, if you don't want to use it, great. If not, but I think these are definitely thought provoking questions that should be asked. Um, yeah, when evaluating new tools, I wonder Were if you, you can guys- also. Go ahead. Oh, go- I was going to say, I wonder if you can also quantify or, or actually uh, kind of tease apart the one about how easy is the tool to use to say, you know, especially if you have uh, bilingual learners, like, it, does the tool support accessibility tools? Does the tool support sure. translation and, and uh, interpretation? Uh, you know, is, is this compatible with JAWS? I think that falls both in the interoperability, but also in the, you know, how easy is the tool? The to shark? So, What's JAWS? JAWS, uh-huh. the... <laughs> the screen reader tool. So uh, it's used by folks who have uh, sight impairments and hmm. it will uh, go through the screen and read everything on the screen. The tool and the website have to be designed to be compatible with those types of things. So the listener is, or, or the, the user is able to know this is the header, this is the footer. So hmm. those special education um, rules that might come from your special education coordinators knowing that those uh, IEPs that your your tools can meet the, their needs. All right. Interesting. Were you guys in the K-12 game when Lexmark would give away a printer? Like you'd no. buy the, like the ink costs more than a printer? Yeah. No. That's, that's the, that's the goal of printers is, is to sell you the printer and then like rake in the money on the ink. For K-12, they had free printer, but then the first time you needed ink, it cost more than what the printer would have been. Seriously, yeah, it, came, it came with like five pages of ink. <laughs> so you would just keep signing up for the free printer. Like, I, I had a friend that had like a stack a of printers because it was cheaper to get the printer than it was to get the ink or free. <laughs> That's, That's e waste, Lucas. I understand. Yes. Okay, don't write us a letter, you Lucas. Uh, Chris, why don't you? Tell us about Jupiter real quick. Jupiter, a proud sponsor of the K-12 Tech Talk podcast. Uh, they're a sis, and we've unpacked them now for several episodes. You can email stuart.miles at jupiter.ed.com. Uh, he just wants a chance, right? Uh, he understands there's big players in the sis game, but if you are looking to change your sis, uh, give Jupiter a shot. Uh, in the podcast description, there's a link to a demo. There's a link to a video. Uh, and Stuart's email address is in there. Uh, reach out to him. Great guy. So if 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 nothing else, reach out to Stuart because you want to uh, test us on if he's actually a great guy or not. Well, I don't really want to tell the story again. I, I guess think, I will. I think we all know where we are in the show. <laughs> this is how we started this show the first time. Uh, Chris, how was your day? <laughs> Thanks for asking, Mark. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Hold on, let me let me check the record button. Okay, go ahead. You know, I don't remember Corey ever not hitting the record button. Ooh. Oh, my day was fine. <laughs> <laughs> how did your day start, Chris? Okay, here's the story, guys. Uh, This morning at 8.30, Josh sends me a text. Me and Mark a text. Chris, are you having sis issues? And I said, we had some yesterday, none yet today. Josh does what Josh always does. He always thinks he's right and I'm wrong. And he says, I bet you are. (laughs) You just don't know it yet. And then he tells me, though, a number of other schools that are hosted by our sis 
are saying uh, all of their information that they had changed uh, or entered yesterday was gone. So we're talking about attendance information, class changes, log entries, that whole bit. So not believing Josh, I looked, I'm on our uh, SIS uh, listserv. Usually if there's uh, issues, outages, anything going on, I just check there and I can say like known issue, they're working on it, no big deal. Uh, I looked on there, nothing really going on. So I pushed back on Josh and I was like, it's, it's quiet so far, uh, no big deal. So an interesting thing of today and how it unfolded was I had three meetings going on kind of back to back to back. Uh, so I'm in these meetings. I did send a text to my CIS coordinator uh, telling her about it. So one of those meetings uh, was with her, actually, because we're moving to Infinite Campus. That meeting was going fine. I wasn't thinking much of it. Um, she calls me right after, and she says, so what are we going to do about this? I didn't know what she was talking about because I was in these uh, meetings. I looked down at my phone. I had four text messages from her, uh, lengthy text messages. Um, she talks about it's so in Missouri right now, there's a lot of state reporting stuff going on, prepping for October cycle. She had done a bunch of educator files work, if you know what that is in Missouri. So she's really concerned, right? So first text is her freaking out. And this is me not responding as her, as her leader. Several minutes go by. Uh, she starts to see that there could be an issue in particular with meal transactions added into that. Um, and then she's going to start checking on the building. So Josh, you are in discord yeah. uh, with me and there's a group of us in there. Uh, you want to talk about Mike? Yeah. My, so Mike was the first person that pointed it out this morning. He's like, Hey, has anybody else seen this? All the work that we did yesterday, all of our attendance, food transactions, deposits, grades, anything that was touched yesterday is gone. It's like we weren't even in session yesterday. Uh, so he had started a, a ticket with the SIS support. Um, and I think for full disclosure, this isn't infinite campus. This is another sis. Uh, so he was working it from that. And that's where I was getting my information. There were a couple other districts saying, yeah, we're seeing the same thing. So that's why I text Chris. Cause you know, every, I'm a good friend. I'm, I'm looking out for Chris to make sure he knows what's going on. Um, I mean, I saved him with Kaseya. So, um, so, so, but this is, so in your state, you got like, half the districts are on yeah. this platform and half the districts are on different ones. So probably you got half the state freaking out and half the state being like, thank God. Yeah. So yes. as, yeah, I mean, and I've been very prideful. We haven't moved yet. And I've had pride in that, that I felt like we've, we've waited, you know, we yeah. haven't moved. So as the day goes on, Mike ends up getting a response from support that says, Hey, we know what happened. We were addressing some security concerns with disks yesterday. And let, in me, the uh, let me read it. Okay. So my sys coordinator, uh, we're seeing that our meal transactions are gone and we've contacted the buildings, uh, secretaries, counselors, principals, we're all kind of all hands on deck. We're, we're looking at our data. We haven't opened a ticket yet with sys um, because we want to make sure we know exactly what we're dealing with in the midst of that. Uh, Mike does a screenshot of this email that he gets, um, and it says this. Uh, on Wednesday, September 27th, while making changes to improve security on database drives, there was an issue which caused data loss on September 27th. To correct this, our team um, has restored data for that date. <laughs> Unfortunately, today's changes for Thursday, 
September 28th cannot be saved. All changes today will need to be re-entered. <laughs> so we fixed we fixed the missing data problem from yesterday by causing a data problem for today. We and said it's like it's like you're you you, you, you want to jump off a bridge or you want to jump off a mountain. Like w- which one? What yeah. what time was this though? This is at one o'clock. Oh, <laughs> the whole day's gone. The day yeah. is gone. Lunch lunch has been transacted. Oh. And I'm still chilling. I'm still chilling in these meetings, and I'm hearing from Melanie. Whatever. Uh, I I I get tagged in Discord. Uh, so I finally pop in, I read that, I tell them I'm throwing up, um, and then I make a ticket, and my ticket's different, thank you to Mike. Uh, I tell sis, we're missing our meal transactions, don't touch our data, please advise. Um, and then the day starts to progress even further. So the twist in the story for us, because it's been a mountains and valleys kind of day, yeah, uh, is that we get an email back from sis support. And they say that we're not on the list of the schools that they see as being impacted. And that's weird. <laughs> and we, you know, we're missing all of our meal transactions. Um, and and it's, I mean, you know, Cisco coordinator has been freaking out. I've been freaking out the whole bit, whatever. So then we get back with food services director and I'm not bad mouthing her. We're just telling the story, right? Uh, she runs the reports again and the day ends with her thinking that we're actually okay. So I think she just didn't run the report, right? Oh. And that was the whole day. All because of a text from me. Yes. I, I, I reflecting now, I think I did like Josh's paranoia all day today. Oh, I guarantee this is Josh's regular day. Yeah. That's how I live. Wow. That's the story. I think I'm okay. We'll see I think, tomorrow. I think you I did think a great I'm job okay. telling the story. This was the this was the highlight of the night for the third time. <laughs> I'm still mad. <laughs> I mean, listen. I think. Did you apologize on air? Because I think I need to hear that. I apologize. Um, okay. But for uh, what? For not hitting record button at the start of this episode. Which led to what? You telling the story for a for a. <laughs> A long time. In fact, telling the whole story uh, before I said, uh, after you had ended the story, I said, Chris, do you know what's worse than thinking you had lost the data? Man, I I thought you had a really good punchline coming. Yeah, me too. And then I hit the record button. And then that's when you guys realized. Our faces were like, what? (laughs) It's okay. It's okay, Mark. I forgive you. You didn't actually have to apologize. I had already forgiven. Okay. Thank you, guys. I try to give grace. So if you... (laughs) um, I don't know how to end this other than share this with your friends. We're seeing amazing growth. We appreciate uh, everybody sharing this uh, podcast, this hobby that we do with your coworkers and everyone else. Uh, We really appreciate it. But keep, keep it on up. We are uh, we are going to double our listens again for this year. I think here well, and, shortly, and we got some really good episodes coming up. I think we, we do. Can, we yeah. can start to tease it now. We have not one but two ransomware episodes, which are my favorite. Uh, yep. So we're going to be able to hear from a couple of districts about their their uh, interactions with a cyber attack, uh, and then we're also we have another special guest coming up very soon as well, an expert in a field. We'll te- we'll leave it at that. Yeah. I love it. I love it.
Awesome. Well, thanks for listening. Shoot us an email. If you've got a listener, uh, a question about student help desk or a tabletop exercise, uh, shoot us an email, k12techtalk at gmail.com. We appreciate you listening. We will see you next week. Thanks. The views and opinions expressed on the K-12 Tech Talk podcast are the personal opinions of Josh, Chris, and Mark, and do not represent the views or opinions of our sponsors or other organizations that we're affiliated with. The material information presented here is for general information and entertainment purposes only. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.